Hey, Fedheads, you're tuned in to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. This is Sharing Our Pairings, episode 115, Davidoff Late Hour. I'm your host, John the Cigar Surgeon, joined as always by my co-host, Trippy Tent Trent. We are broadcast around the world and picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. You can tune in live at YouTube.com, although shortly you can tune in after the show at YouTube.com. We will be transitioning over to live on Facebook only, so thanks to all our live Facebook listeners. We show your comments, questions, feedback, and emoticons. And of course, can't forget about our podcast listeners out there in droves. We know you guys are out there, guys and girls supporting us. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Trippy, thanks for joining me tonight. How's it going? Great. I'm I'm ready to get into it here. Some uh, some scotches I've never had before and a, a cigar that, as we were talking before the show, I've smoked a couple of these already. Uh, this is actually my last one, unfortunately. Yeah, I uh, I kind of wanted to prep for the show and kind of, um, because we have a few different sizes, I like to smoke a different few Vitolas. I don't often have the time to smoke a few different Vitolas of something and kind of try it out and see what the other performances are. Um, famously, the Yamasa last year mm-hmm. had a radically different uh, uh, performance. And for me, the Pyramides was the best. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to try different Vitolas of this, I smoked the Churchill on the weekend, and the first thing we were talking offline in the green room, and the first thing I commented on on the Toro here is that, man, is it spicy. Like, way... I, I barely got any spice in the Churchill, and this thing is just coming right out of the gate with tons of spice. And, of course, I think, uh, as always, our uh, Skype stream just let us down there, because uh, Trippy froze up, so I'm just going to uh, fill for a moment. Um, this is the uh, latest release from Davidoff. It's called the Late Hour. Uh, we are smoking the Late Hour Winston Churchill, is specifically the uh, the name of the cigar. And uh, this is the Toro size. Of course, uh, Trippy has all the specs, uh, which is unfortunate because uh, I do not have any of the specs prepared as we uh, sit here and dance a little bit. So I'll talk a little bit about uh, what we're pairing tonight. Um, normally we'd go... Um, you know, we'd, we'd pair up with uh, beers or we'd pair up with a combination of beers and spirits or who knows what. Uh, but tonight we've gone entirely whiskey and uh, Trippy's kind of gone highfalutin and I've kind of gone uh, lowfalutin. That's how we've, uh, how we've set it up. And Trippy's back. There we go. So I was just kind of um, filling, the, uh, filling the gap there. So, uh, Trippy, I was just explaining that uh, we're smoking the late hour Winston Churchill, and we've opted for entirely uh, a whiskey tonight. Uh, you've kind of gone high flutin, and I've kind of gone a little low flutin. But maybe you could talk a little bit about the late hour and the blend and and whatnot. Yeah, so we're I, I believe we're both smoking the Toro, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a six by fifty four. Um, this is an interesting cigar because it's a combination of all the things that have been really successful for Davidoff in the last few years. Um, the Winston Churchill, of course, has been very successful for them. And then the uh, American Barrel Age series, uh, and now the Nicaraguan Barrel Age series that's just hitting the shelves from Camacho, which they own. Um, and this kind of combines those two. So this is a very Winston Church sti- Churchill style blend, but one of the fillers is aged in scotch barrels. Interesting. So this is a Ecuadorian Habano Maron Oscuro. I don't know what the Maron means. I haven't heard that before. Uh, wrapper, Mexican San Andreas binder, filler is Dominican Olor, Loto Cubano, and San Vicente Mejorado, uh, some Esteli Viso, and then some Condega Viso that's aged in Speyside barrels for three months, turned, and then aged for another three months for a total of six. 
Um, wow. And I really do get a little bit of that kind of scotch influence, but it's very, very uh, restrained. Uh-huh. It's, it's not like, it's not quite as intense as like the American barrel aged. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a subtle note. I mean, sort of fitting with the profile of Davidoffs, which are really known for subtle complexity. Um, now, one thing I, I think I found very different on the Churchill versus the Toro, the Toro, as I mentioned, kind of started out with a lot of spice. So maybe that's the, uh, the Esteli and Cotega uh, Viso is really coming to the forefront. Because on mm-hmm. the, like I said, on the Churchill, I, I mean, I found it very elegant, um, but I was getting this sort of interesting... Um, vegetal note, like a chlorophyll note that uh, was really prominent on the on the Churchill, and I'm not really getting it at all here on the Toro. So I don't know if it was just that particular cigar that I smoked, or um, did you say you you've smoked the Churchill? Yeah, I don't I don't think I tasted the uh, like a vegetal note really. There was a lot of there's a little bit of that kind of mushroom note in the back, mm-hmm. and a lot of, got the mushroom, a lot of like sweetness. And sort of a rich, oaky, cedary woodiness. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Todd Richter pointed out, I forgot to mention how much they cost. Uh, so these come in 20 boxes of 20, um, and those nice, like, four-count travel packs that Davidoff has been selling the last few years. They run seventeen fifty for the Robusto, up to $20.10 for the uh, Churchill. And I think this one is somewhere around eighteen fifty. So... They're going to cost you a couple ducats, but it is, it does say Davidoff on it. So, I mean, I'm definitely getting a little bit of mushroom on this one, uh, really powdered sweet, uh, powdered, like powdered sugar for the sweetness. So it's, um, Mm, it's not overly, uh, it's not running over my palate. It's not a sickly sweet. It's a really nice nuanced, you know, powdered sugar sweetness. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of, um, baker spice in there. Yeah. And I like, I get a lot of it. Like it's right on the center of my tongue after each draw too. Yeah, and I find it's closer in body to the the more recent Davidoff stuff in in the mid two thousands or so. Pretty much everything from Davidoff was between mild and medium, maybe medium plus. Um, and this is firmly medium plus to almost full. Um, it's got way more richness and and depth of flavor than most of the uh, most of the Davidoff range has its historically. Yeah, I feel like with the release of the original Davidoff Oscuro and the Nicaragua, it really signaled mm-hmm. a change in blend strength for Davidoff. Cause, and I don't know if that was an intentional thing or they've just recognized a lot more success in the in the industry with those blends that they're kind of starting to realize that, yes, most of the market is in that light to medium, medium minus group. But you're going to get a lot more people going nuts and spending the 17 to $20 if your cigar is a little bit more medium, medium plus. And it seems like all of their most recent releases, including last year's Yamasa, were all in that medium plus uh, range of strength and, and flavor, well, flavor complexity. And some of them are full, full plus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it's more of a, uh, a consumer market thing. I mean, they kind of had the medium body market cornered for the high end stuff, um, but they didn't have anything in that more full bodied, higher strength kind of range, which is where people like us kind of live for what we smoke day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, you know, and I, it's, it's tough to say whether I would pay $17 for it because, you know, like really anytime you go over the 12 to $13 mark, you're really starting to get into the ultra premium category. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's, that's a tough market. Um, you know, having smoked the, uh, last year's Yamasa, I would say that that cigar is worth every penny. Like that was one of the best Davidoffs I've ever smoked. Although, you know, a lot of, uh, reviewers might disagree with me on that, but so far so good. You know, this is, you know, I'm only, um, an inch in, but the Churchill was fantastic, although very different from the Toro. So it'll be interesting to sit down. I'm going to do a formal review of the Robusto and we can kind of do, cause you're going to do a formal review of the Churchill. Yep. I want to do a formal review of the Robusto and kind of see how those two contrast in terms of what, uh, flavors they bring to the market. Because every, every Vitola, regardless of what a manufacturer wants to blend it, every Vitola is going to have a different performance. Yeah. And it, it seems like, uh, there used to be, more of the kind of mono blend for mm. a brand where they would kind of have the exact same blend for each Vitola. Yeah. And now it's very, very common. You have uh, Churchill's are usually a little bit less Lajero, a little kind of smoother and more elegant. Toro's are generally the strongest. Um, and then some people decide to make their Robusto the strongest. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I forgot to mention about this, the, the accessories that they came out with for this this year are really cool. They've got They've got a couple really nice high-end humidors, of course. They've got uh, a nice round ceramic ashtray that's like 300 bucks or something. But kind of the shining star that I'm really excited about and I kind of want to buy is the whiskey glass. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. So it's a it's like a rocks glass, and it's got the Winston Churchill Davidoff logo etched in it. But then it's got two little cutouts around the rim so you can rest your cigar across it. And it's like a cigar rest built into the top of the glass. Oh, it's just a really cool feature to have. And it's just a nice looking glass. But they are, I believe it's 95 for a set of two. Um, if it was a set of four, it'd be a no-brainer buy for me. But I don't know about 50 bucks for a glass. Yeah, I mean, that's, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I mean, part of me, part of me says I could totally go for that because, um, you know, I'm a bit of a whiskey glass guy. But the other part of me says, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I'd drop that. I mean, I guess if you're already dropping seventeen to twenty dollars on um, <laughs> on a, a Davidoff, cigar. you know, maybe you're the kind of guy that that uh, that uh, you know that the whiskey glass is going to appeal to. Um, I'm I'm running into a how fishy here. Uh oh. Hmm. Technical difficulties as always. Well, <clears throat> so the latest iteration of Skype has decided to put a little window of me in the bottom right hand corner of your screen. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a way oh, yeah, to turn that, that off, which is, um, you know, undesirable. And I wish they would yeah. stop doing stuff like that. Uh, and there doesn't seem to be any way to turn that off. Fun. Yeah. I can, I can make it bigger and I can make it smaller, but I can't turn it off. Just another exciting day here on live broadcast. It's all good. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand how Skype works sometimes, but we'll roll with the punches. Um, uh, let's get into our first pairing here. What's your first pairing? Um, so I went a little, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm messing around. You're fiddling. Um, I'm fiddling. Um, let me, um, let me just restore the, uh, windows here back to, uh, the way they were. Uh, while you're doing that, we have a, another audience question from Todd Richter. Uh, he wants to know if Cuban liquor is any good. And I would say, yes, it is very good. Um, the, the three year or whatever it is, I think it's the three year is like the entry level. Uh, Havana Club, not my cup of tea. I mean, I wouldn't recommend drinking that straight. Mix it with Coke, and you've got yourself a nice Cuba Libre. But it's it's a good rum for mixing. The seven-year is pretty good for sipping, but not the best. And when you get in, last week I had the uh, Selection de Maestros on the show, 
that John was kind enough to to drop off for me. And that one is where like that one's like rainbows and baby giggles, as Logan would say. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly a lot of criticism could be leveled towards Cuba Tobacco and some of their production um, standards and maybe some of the things they've done in, in past years. But I think that it's tough to criticize their spirits. I mean, they've got, yeah. gosh, what, almost 400 years now of, uh, of rum history. Certainly, whether it's by design or just by the fact that they can't necessarily get um, some stuff for production – all of their all of their production for stuff like rum is is truly organic and that's not by design that's just by the nature of the island yeah. so i think what ends up happening is you get this really authentic spirit uh that's really produced in an authentic way um you know is it is it markedly better than some of the best rums you can get from say venezuela or you know the dominican republic or any of the other great rum producing nations in the world no but it is different. It is a unique product. And when you've had Cuban rum, Cuban spirits, they're quite good. I mean, I've certainly got my fair share of Cuban rums. And, and I would say that, uh, the, like you said, the, the higher end rums, the, you know, once you go over Havana Club 7, you start to get into some really nice rums. And I think yeah. the, the Maestro de Selection is, is kind of the, one of the shining hallmarks of what they produce for sure. Yeah. Uh, the 7 to me is one of the better $20 bottles of rums out there um but you know it's it's not a fantastic rum it's not going to blow you away but it's different i think that's a that's a that's a pretty fair assessment um so getting back to uh just doing a quick introduction before we take our first break here uh so i've got a little low flute and i've kind of mixed it up with with some japanese whiskey Uh, i am pairing uh, i don't know what order you're doing your uh, spirits in but i've got my glenn farkless second uh, on purpose here. So I, I basically um, bookmarked the Glen Farkless here with a, a Nikka whiskey to start with and a Nikka whiskey to finish intentionally because the first Nikka whiskey I've got here is the uh, Nikka whiskey coffee grain. And it's not a single malt. It's a coffee grain whiskey, which means it's a combination of grain whiskey, in this case, probably corn malt and then uh, malted barley. So I kind of described it pre-show as I was cheating and having a couple sips as a combination of really a mashup between uh, like a single malt and uh, grain whiskey, like a like a bourbon. Mm-hmm. And it makes for a really interesting combination because both of those spirits combine really nicely. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that once uh, once I talk about our first uh, sponsor of the night here. Um, so just to remind our audience, you are tuning into Sharing Our Pairings episode 115. This is the Davidoff Late Hour. And uh, I'm your host, John Cigar Surgeon. We are broadcast live around the world, picked up on the Armed Forces Radio Network. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Trippy Trent. Please stay tuned for word from one of our sponsors. Brought to you by Gurkha Cigars. Gurkha Cigars, makers of the world's finest cigars. Try the 93-rated Heritage, featuring Rosado, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Dominican, Pennsylvanian, and Nicaraguan fillers. Blended by Gurkha's blending team and American Caribbean Cigars, it's hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the Heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. If I click it, it gets and tiny. And I'm back. Um, yeah, I wish I could make that little window go away, but our audience is just going to have to live with it. So holding up this whiskey, you can see it's whiskey color. You know, nothing too exciting. It's kind of got that honey straw color. Um, the nose definitely uh, belies the single malt that's in there. 
Cause you, I mean, I really get a, that bourbony corn sweetness. You know, if you, if you sniff a, a normal bourbon, I get a lot of that malted corn in there. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's very tasty. And I bought it for a reason. Now, interestingly enough, this bad boy comes in at 45%. In fact, both of the Japanese whiskeys I have tonight come in at 45%. And we've talked in the past how a lot of Japanese, most Japanese whiskeys come in at 43. So these are kind of oddities. Um, both of these that I have that I have tonight are from the Nikka Whiskey Company, Nikka Whiskey Company, uh, founded of course by Masataka Takatsuru, who was the uh, first commercial Japanese distiller in 1924. Um, Nikka Whiskey was named such in 1952. It had a very long name prior to that, and I'm not going to go over that history. Yoichi is one of the distilleries they they have, and it is one of the distilleries that I'm featuring tonight, which is located in the northern end of Japan. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. You got Miyagikyo, which is uh, central Japan, and then you've got Moji, which is southern Japan. Um, they also own uh, a number of other bottling plants and uh, and other uh, distilleries. So they've got Sapporo, they've got Hirosaki, uh, Tojiki, and uh, Nishinomiya, Nishinima, and uh, Kashiwa and Kashiwa is the uh, bottling plant. Um, but I'll let you uh, talk about your first drink of the night here as I take some sips and try to get some uh, flavor notes. Uh, so all of the all of the whiskeys I'm drinking tonight were sponsored by Cigar Surgeon. Nice. Thank you, John. No problem. Uh, sponsoring the show for me, uh, and they're all whiskeys that I haven't had before. But I'll go over the history of the distillery before I introduce the whiskey. So this is Inchgower. Uh, they're in the Speyside region. Founded in 1871, they have two wash stills, two spirit stills, with a capacity of 1.9 million liters, or just over half a million gallons. Um, they're actually owned by Diageo, and I didn't know this, they're a major component in Bell's blended whiskey. Um, but what I'm drinking here is Inchgower 82. So this is distilled in 1982, and of course barreled as well, and then uh, bottled in 2010 by Barry Brothers and Rudd. I assume they're a, a private bottler. Correct, John? Mm-hmm. Uh, which means guys. Okay. Which means that this is 28 years aged, and it comes in at 56.2 ABV, which is a, a fairly high cast strength. And you can see it's got kind of a light amber, dark straw kind of color. Um, I'm excited to try this one. It smells like... When I, was, when I opened the bottle this morning just to smell it, it smells like a humidor. Cedar... A little bit of sweetness, like some some kind of brown sugar, and it it just smells delightful. I mean, quite, quite honestly, thing. it's 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 um it's really rare to get an older whiskey that is cask strength. I mean, that's part of the reason yeah. why an independent bottler is nice to have, is because usually the big guys or even the middle guys won't bottle an aged expression like that at cask strength because you got to think. At sixty percent, they're essentially losing a bottle of whiskey for every so for every two bottles at sixty percent, they could have gotten a third mm-hmm. bottle. So in essence, they're already losing money because it's an old whiskey. You're losing thirty three percent off the top because you could be getting an extra bottle out of that bottling. That's that's not an inexpensive proposition in an industry where the demand far outstrips the uh, the supply, yeah. especially on aged stuff. So. Uh, of course I'm going, like I said, in the opposite direction, this is really the everyman whiskey and it's, it's really good. I mean, it's such a great mashup of really a really light bourbon that doesn't have a lot of pepper. It doesn't have that sort of, um, super corn forward bourbon to it, just enough to give you the vanilla notes and the kind of candied notes. And then underneath that, it's got that really nice malted barley 
And I mean, you know, it's not uh, breaking the bank in terms of flavor complexity, but what it does do is it's it's a nice, easy sipping whiskey that's very approachable. And I think it goes well with the cigar because in this case, it's not running the cigar over. It's not necessarily highlighting the cigar. It's really just, uh, you know, if I was sitting down in a, in a really nice uh, lounge somewhere and I was lighting up this Davidoff, I could see myself pouring this whiskey, uh, if only because I could have a couple, two or three of these and not take away from the cigar that makes any sense yeah absolutely uh this whiskey is delightful uh-huh. it's kind of it starts off buttery with some hard candy sweetness that's what whiskey geeks call it uh which is kind of like it's like those uh werther's originals it's kind of sweet caramel but that that specific flavor that you only get from a hard candy and then it's got a little bit of almost leathery kind of bitterness and it's got a really surprisingly clean finish yeah, the nose, I think the nose on that, on that whiskey, really, uh, it's it's kind of one of those sneakers. Like, you, you nose it, and you're like, okay, well, this is going to be, like, huge oak. I'm probably going to get a lot of spice off the oak. It's just going to be, like, over the top. And uh, it doesn't end up being that at all. Like, it's yeah, not like that at all. There's no spice. There's very little oakiness. It's a really elegant whiskey, and I think it goes really well with the cigar. I, I chose all Speyside whiskeys because... The cigar or the uh, the tobaccos are aged in Speyside barrels, and I think this one complements the cigar perfectly. We probably could have called this show High Pollutant, Low Pollutant, really, if we thought about it. This is a pre-record, so there's still time there's to still time. update the but YouTube you, name. But you know what? We're, we're rolling with it because uh, that's what I've decided. Uh, now, little known fact, um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but uh, my namesake, my birth namesake, is the same as the namesake oh, yeah. of this cigar. I didn't actually know that about you until I oh. saw your email. Yeah. And now I don't know if my dad did that on purpose, but I have to assume he did. And it, I guess it kind of makes sense that eventually I would become a cigar guy because I'm named after probably one of the most famous, certainly recognizable cigar celebrities in history, I would think. I mean, yeah, I, I think, in my opinion, Winston Churchill is kind of the the highest, uh, the most recognized cigar smoker of all time. Yeah, uh, you never see a picture of him without a cigar. He famously smoked cigars all day, all night. Um, which this cigar is named the Late Hour because he spent late nights planning stuff for the war, uh, smoking a cigar. Now I'm kind of getting to the um, sort of to the end of the last third here. I'm kind of puffing probably a little bit faster than I should, and I have found that the baking spice has calmed down, uh, and I found the baking spice has kind of moved from the center of my tongue to kind of the back of my tongue. It's Dropped off a little bit in intensity, which is probably good because I think if it had kept up in that same level of intensity, it would have been a little bit much. Uh, and I find as a result that powdered sugar sweetness is really coming to the forefront. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a couple of retrohales here and see if I can get anything else out of this cigar. I get um, it's it's got a little bit of black pepper on the palate, but I really get it in the back of the throat, uh, which is is kind of different. I don't get that from a lot of cigars. The retrohale is um, I mean the retrohale is lovely. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, I'd say so far, I, I, I'm probably, and I, I'm a big fan of Churchill's when I have the time to smoke them, but I would say that the, uh, the retrohale here is, is quite elegant. Mm-hmm. And I think I am enjoying the Toro, uh, more than the, uh, Churchill size. And again, uh, I was getting a very different profile on the Churchill, like radically different uh, flavor on the profile on the Churchill than I am off the Toro. And I think it, the Toro is probably a little bit more to my taste preferences cause it's a little mm-hmm. bit more intense than the Churchill. 
Um, so if you're looking at Vitolas and you're looking for something a little bit subtler, the Churchill is probably the way to go. If you're looking for something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more intense, this Toro, so far so good. Yeah, it's it's certainly more intense than the Toro, or than the the Churchill rather. Kind of excited to see how the Robusto stacks up. Um, again, I think this um, you know this coffee grain whiskey from Nico, it's not it's not at all uh, going to break the bank in terms of flavor complexity. In fact, uh, doing very little for the cigar, other than to say I'm pairing a whiskey with the cigar. You know, to me this is this is uh, going to rank kind of lowish in in uh, in terms of uh, break you know flavor complexity. But that isn't to say it isn't enjoyable. Like this is absolutely a pairing I would do again. Um, mostly, I think because I like the whiskey and I like the cigar. They just, unfortunately, in this case, the uh, the whiskey's just not really doing much to highlight uh, the cigar at all. I don't think. And I'm having the opposite experience. I could drink this whiskey with this cigar all day long. Yeah. I think that the the sweetness that you get from the whiskey with that kind of butteriness really just fits perfectly with the flavors from the cigar it might actually even go better with the churchill since there's there's no spice coming from the whiskey mm-hmm. yeah i could totally see that so um as much as i could sit here and drink this whiskey uh with this cigar all night and believe me i could uh, i think i'm going to go on to one of my highfalutin pairings of the night and uh, we'll kind of split the difference here because uh this is a bottle that's been in my collection for some time and uh sadly i had the cork uh, break on me so i had to put in a temporary oh. cork yeah um but this is the glenn glenn farkless family cask uh and it is exclusively bottled for, for willow park wine and spirits uh one of the nice things about being here in calgary this oh by the way this is bottle number 299 of 607 bottled in uh, june 28th of 2012 distilled in 2002 if you do your math it's only 10 years old but it is 60.6 percent uh cask number 2196 uh, bottled uh, 700 mil bottles, and uh, it is an exclusive distillery bottling. So what they've done, which uh, I think when you have enough sort of polar relationships with uh, Scotch distilleries, you can go in and say, look, you know, we want to buy this cask. We want to buy this entire cask. We want you to bottle this entire cask, and we're going to be the exclusive seller of this cask. And what you end up getting, and again, why I like single cask bottlings from distilleries, is you get something that is Glen Farkless, but at the same time isn't Glen Farkless, and you get something that has characteristics you've never had out of a Glen Farkless before. So interestingly, because it's only 10 years, you think, okay, well, it's a 10-year whiskey. It's probably not that expensive. Well, when you do a single cask bottling, it, it does drive the price up. It's not like a regular 10-year yeah. Um, because it's cask strength again, you know, we just talked about the fact that you're losing a bottle for every two you bottle. Um, so it's, I mean, I love this whiskey and there's a reason why I own it. I decided to go with one of their, one of their glasses. So talking about the, uh, the glass, I've got the Willow Park glass here and I do buy from a few different, um, few different shops here. One of my favorite shops is Kensington Wine Market. We're not featuring one of theirs tonight. We're featuring Willow Park. Uh, you can see it's a little bit more of a dark, uh, amber color, a um, little bit more golden rather than straw. The nose is just so Glen Farkless. It's just that uh, toffee and candied fruit. Like to me, this is this is probably oh, yeah. like a like a crisp Christmas whiskey. And I think you really only get that intense nose out of a cask strength. Oh, it smells so good. So um, maybe what I'll do is uh, talk a little bit about Glen Farkless. We'll do a quick break and come back. Um, we've had Glenn Farkless on the show a number of times. It's kind of one of my go-to whiskeys. I think I have, I just looked and I have like four bottles of Glenn Farkless. I've got wow. this one. I've got a 21 year old. I've got the 105. I think I've got a 15. Uh, it's just kind of one of those products that when I'm looking for a light, 
uh, sweet whiskey that kind of hits all those light, sweet whiskey notes. Glen Farkless is an easy pick for me. They are a Speyside distiller. You mentioned that you were picking all Speysides tonight. Um, founded in 1836, and they are owned, owned by the J&G Grant family. Uh, I've met one of the uh, members of the family at a tasting. Super nice people. Um, their water source is the Ben Rennes Mountain, so it's a mountain stream. So that super crisp, super clean water. And uh, their neighboring, neighboring distilleries are Ben Rennes, Crag and Moore, uh, Deluane, and uh, they do have, I think I've talked about this before, they have a, they have a tasting center. And if you can get into the tasting center, uh, you're in for a treat. The, the distillery tour may not be one of the best distillery tours you've ever been on, but I guarantee you that tasting room will probably be one of the better tasting rooms you've ever been in because they essentially have everything that they've ever released on the shelf. And I understand that they're pretty generous about the pours and uh, are likely to pour just about anything on that shelf for you. So uh, if you're in the Scotland area, you probably want to put this one on your list. Uh, I'll take a quick moment here, just to remind our audience that you are tuning in to Sharing Our Pairings, episode 115. Davidoff Late Hour, we are smoking the Davidoff Late Hour, the newest release at the IPCPR 2017 in Las Vegas. I am your host, John the Cigar Surgeon. Joined by Trippy Trent, as always, my co-host. Please stay tuned for word from one of our sponsors. This show is sponsored by Cigar Oasis. Don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars? Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. And of course, you kind of mentioned pre-show at the start there, Trippy, that uh, these whiskeys are sponsored by me. uh, Because we kind of had a fun little tasting experience at the IPCPR, which I think we're going to try and do a little bit more of next year, uh, where a bunch of us kind of brought in different... I guess you'd call them samples of some of the, some of the whiskey we've got at home and Mm -hmm. I kind of had an impromptu media party where we had a a very small group over. Um, and I think, you know, it was a lot of fun. I, I certainly enjoyed myself. Yeah, that was kind of, that was a blast. I I really enjoyed it. I wish that we had more time to do Mm. that because our plan was dedicated night to that and kind of get back from the show and party all night, you know, tasting whiskey, smoking cigars, um, but of course we had so many commitments that we ended up going to dinner, then going to making an appearance at another party and then not getting back to our room until like 11, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then of course we, we went till three or four in the morning. It was good. Yeah. No, was good. no, no, com- no complaints. Um, so, uh, have you had a chance to take a, a sip yet of that delicious whiskey? You're, you're, you're leaning on your laptop. Oops. Sorry. I'm also drinking the Glen Farkless. I have not taken a sip yet. So I'm going to do that right now. So I think uh, at 60%, and certainly, you know, we've talked about um, whether you add ice, whether you add water. I, I normally don't recommend adding ice to a whiskey because it does change your palate. Uh, when you have a temperature switch on the palate, it, it does change things up significantly. So I don't recommend ice. However, no one's going to look down on you if you add a little bit of water to a cask strength whiskey. 60% is a lot. That's, I mean, That's from, a heater. It's a heater, yeah. So what were your uh, first taste impressions there? Um that's really good, and it's it's a lot smoother than I would expect for sixty percent. I mean, I've had like I think I've had up to sixty six or so for cask strength, which is like on the really high end. Yeah. Uh, but sixty is still pretty high. Like generally, it's between fifty and sixty. Um, but this one has like a strange approachability to it, where you feel the heat on the roof of your mouth and on your tongue a little bit, 
but it doesn't burn your palate like a lot of really, really high ABV whiskeys will, uh, which is actually really surprising that it's only 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, not to be a whiskey snob or anything, but I normally won't drink uh, most any whiskey under 12 years just because I find that the, um, the youngness of that alcohol, it's it's kind of like when you smoke a cigar and you say, well, this cigar is too young. It hasn't sat enough. It hasn't rested enough. Mm-hmm. I kind of get that out of whiskeys. When it's when it's that young, I find that um, there's just a, there's an there's overpresent um, young alcohol taste to it. I really don't enjoy that taste. So really, for the most part, I'd say most of the whiskeys I drink are either a really nice blunt or they have to be over 12 year. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few 10-year whiskeys that I would say I enjoy. It's got, I mean, it definitely has a little bit of that rough alcohol under there, but the flavor complexity in, in there is, uh, is remarkable. Yeah. And then on the nose from this, I get, it smells to me like I do get the, uh, the toffee and the, the, the stewed fruits, but it smells like peach pie to me. Mm. A little bit of cinnamon and like that stewed peach kind of scent. And I think that cinnamon really comes through on the palate and kind of mixed in with that alcohol mm-hmm. strength because you do get that, that alcohol burn, but you're left with that really nice cinnamon, maybe a little bit of nutmeg. Um, the, the finish I'd say is kind of medium. And it, again, I think that lends itself as a result of the, um, of the high ABV here. Yeah. Uh, for me, what it's doing to the cigar is uh, kind of offset some of the little bit of spice that was in the cigar. And instead I'm getting this huge cocoa note off the cigar now, which I really yeah. wasn't getting before. So this is a great pairing for me because uh, especially when uh, I'm smoking a cigar, sort of this fancy, this highfalutin, I do want a spirit to accent and maybe pull a little bit more out of the cigar than I was getting on its own. Yeah. I, I completely get like that, that chocolatey note, and a little, a little bit of that like rich sweet oak, uh, but I barely taste the spice anymore. And and I find that as soon as you take a sip while the finish is still on your palate, take a puff of the cigar, and that's when you really get that kind of chocolate bomb kind of flavor. Yeah, it's um, I mean the Toro. I have to say, uh, especially after smoking the Churchill, uh, I guess it's today Monday. Yes. Uh, Saturday. So I smoked the Churchill on Saturday, so it's still pretty fresh in my mind, and I, I am definitely. Uh, for me, enjoying the Toro a lot more than Churchill, again, because I think the flavors are a lot more intense, less subdued, less subtle. So uh, I think if you're a fan of the traditional type Davidoff, you're probably going to really gravitate towards the Churchill. If you're kind mm-hmm. of a fan of the new wave Davidoff, this is probably going to be more your speed. Yeah, if you like full-bodied, the Toro is definitely the Vitola for you. It's got It's just so much more rich and spicy. How are we doing on um, audience questions, comments, feedback? We kind of snuck in a sneaky uh, show here live. We didn't really uh, broadcast or let people know in advance. Is uh, anybody commenting or uh, getting involved? Uh, we got June watching. He loves whiskey. Oh, yeah, he does. Um, and Todd Richter wanted to know if we've ever smoked a Gurkha, His Majesty Reserve. I would smoke uh, one. I wouldn't expect to love it. Isn't that, that's the like $150 cigar, isn't it? Or two? No, that's, that's the $750 cigar. Yeah. Uh, it's You're... aged with Louis the 14th cognac. Right. 15th or whatever the Louis, the Louis, the number is. Yeah. Gurkha might be a sponsor of the show and they do, uh, give us some cigars, which we are going to do a Gurkha show in the near future. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, that is not a cigar that has made itself into our sampler pack. And, uh, I think, I think Eddie said, even he, Eddie, uh, Eddie, Eddie said they won't, he said they won't give him one. Yeah, I think he said he smoked one, and he smoked one because someone else gave it to him. Uh, so you know, if the one of the one of the sales directors at uh, Gurkha 
doesn't get a Majesty Reserve, you know, they're probably pretty held back for people who are going to pay that money, not for people who are just trying to weasel. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to weasel any of those anytime soon. I don't think it's going to happen, but we do have some um, really nice Kirkas that came out of the show. Uh, the Cellar Reserve. Um, we actually smoked quite a few there and enjoyed a lot of them. They're kind of bringing yeah. back some of those predicate releases and, and repackaging them. So uh, undoubtedly in a few weeks, once we're done uh, being on assignment, I think we're going to probably have a couple Gurkha shows and uh, see what's what, as it were. Yeah, I, th- I think so. We're, we definitely need at least one Gurkha show um, because they've got some good stuff coming out of there now. So I kind of I kind of just want to sit here and ramble on about this uh, Glenn Farkless because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really good. I really don't want to move on. I do have another whiskey, but I kind of don't want to move on. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's, it's good. real good. It's amazing how approachable a 60% ABV whiskey can be. Yeah. And, and uh, get that blend right. And after a couple sips, you're not really, you're not feeling that, that high ABV on your palate anymore. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't blow your palate at all. And I really don't feel any kind of like that, that kind of numbness tingling that you get from some high ABV. Don't, I don't get that from this at all. Yeah. I think, uh, it, you know, you do require a few sips for your palate to adjust. It's not something that uh, you can just hop right into. In fact, you know, the way that we pair a lot of whiskeys sometimes, especially tonight, we're probably doing it in the wrong way. You don't usually want to jump from whiskey to whiskey, especially with some of the high and stuff and some of the high ABV stuff that we've got. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're doing it anyways because it's our show and we can. We do what we want. We do what we want. So uh, with that in order, I'm going to switch to my last whiskey as we come down to our last break here. And I'm going in a bit of a different direction, going back to Japan, because uh, I do like Japanese whiskeys, and I do find the Japanese whiskey complements cigars really, really nicely. And this is one that I'm surprised to say, looking through my show notes, I've never paired on the show before. And this is the Yoichi. And uh, look look at this bottle, because uh, I'm told that you really can't find it anymore, as uh, age statement whiskey continues to become harder and harder to find. Uh, Japanese whiskey is really garnered a lot of attention ever since being put in the uh, whiskey bible people going a little little nutty over it um so i'm not going to read the bottle here because it's kind of got a cool story in the back <clears throat> so uh single malt yoichi it is a 10-year whiskey it's a single malt from the yoichi distillery which is the first distillery of nika in hokkaido uh masatakata katsuro was the founder of nika he selected this place because of its cool climate and natural environment very similar to scotland uh, they continue to adhere to techniques such as the use of coal-fired pot stills. You'll you'll find that's Ooh. very rare. Um, almost all uh, almost all stills now are either direct steam or indirect steam fired. Um, uh, they say it's stored and matured for ten years or more in oak casks, characterized by a fruity sweet nose and a smooth velvety palate. Again, it's forty five percent ABV, which is unusual. Most Japanese whiskey we've talked about this in the shows before is forty three percent. I'll uh, hold it up. The the color doesn't really tell you anything about this whiskey, but I'll hold it up for our live audience. So again, kind of like the first one, it's kind of got that straw golden color, nothing super fancy or remarkable. Um, but, you know, to me, because I've had this many, many times, the bottle has uh, been brought down a little bit from me sipping it. And um, I think it's probably pretty heavily peated by Japanese standards, but certainly not heavily peated by uh, peat head standards, people who really enjoy Scottish whiskey. <laughs> so uh, I'll let you introduce your final whiskey of the night, and then maybe we'll take a quick break here. So my final whiskey is from Glenn Rothes. Again, I don't have the bottle because it's sponsored by John. Uh, 
Glen Rothes was founded in 1878. They're, of course, a Speyside distillery. They're actually really close to Inchgower. Um, they, they use the same water source. Uh, this is another Speyside distillery that sells a lot of their whiskey for blended whiskeys. So this is also used, well, not, not this particular whiskey. Glen, Glen Roth's whiskey is used in Cuddy Sark and Famous Grouse. And a unique thing about them that's not as unique as it used to be is that they sell by vintage rather than age. So this is Glen Roth's 75. So you know it was, it was distilled in 1975. Um, and I think on the bottle it tells you when it was bottled, right? Mm-hmm. This, this particular one was bottled in 2006, making it 31 years age. Uh, and this one is cut down to 43% ABV. Yeah, I think I think if I remember right, I bought that bottle as a result of getting a new position with uh, my previous company. I was very excited and I wanted to treat myself. Uh, at the time, it was, it was a few ducats. Uh, and I think if you look at the whiskey market right now, what I paid for it then, it's probably worth three or four times what that was at this I point. I would guess that. Yeah, but it was kind of one of those, uh, you know, crazy spins for me, but I really wanted a whiskey that was, for me, it was a birth year whiskey. So my birth year is 1975. Mm-hmm. For those out there keeping track and doing the math, uh, that does make me 42 years old. Old guy. Old guy. Uh, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's a great representation of a classic older whiskey. Um, I think it's very nuanced. It's very delicate. Maybe not the right whiskey to be having after the cask strength. Uh, that we just had, but um, I, I think you'll probably enjoy. Is this your first time having that? Have you had a- yeah, yeah, this is my first time, and I, I'm a fan. You're right; it's got that kind of classic aged whiskey flavor, where it's taken on a lot more oak, and there is really not much. Uh, I mean, I am drinking it immediately after a 60 percent uh, whiskey, but. It doesn't have almost any burn or anything like that at all. It's very smooth, delicate, uh, and and nuanced. Uh, interestingly, the nose, I, I don't get much except for like stewed fruit, like a little bit of toffee maybe or hard candy, like caramel. Um, but the nose isn't as uh, as fruity as I would normally expect from a whiskey that's old. The Siochi that I'm enjoying, um, it is you can definitely get that peat, but it's it, to me it's more along the lines of a um, – you know, like uh, Oban or, uh, you know, just it, it's it's a very light smoke, um, so it doesn't take over the spirit. So you get that light smoke up front, and then you get the character of the spirit, and the spirit kind of carries through. And by the time the finish comes in the spirit, that smoke is kind of gone. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. I wanted a little bit of peat to just experiment with this late hour and see how the peat matched up without taking over the profile entirely. It, it's mainland heavily peated. It's, it's not what they would call heavily peated on Isla, but it's what they would call heavily peated everywhere else in Scotland. Yeah, this is this is um, very delicate. Um, you know, it's got a little bit of that briny character to it. A um, little bit about Yoichi. Uh, actually, maybe I'll talk a little bit about the Yoichi distillery after our last break here. So just a reminder, audience, you are tuned into Sharing Our Pairings, episode 115, Davidoff Late Hour. Maybe you're tuned in live. Maybe you're watching on our regular scheduled time of Wednesday. Regardless, we're happy you tuned in. Thank you very much. I am the host, John the Cigar Surgeon, joined as always by Trippy Trent. Please stay tuned for word from one of our sponsors. The show brought to you by Drew Estate. Until June 30th, if you're a Drew Diplomat member, you attend a rewards program event and make a promotional purchase, you will receive a Liga Pravada Velvet Rat. You'll also be entered to win a Drew Diplomat Pewter Ashtray, Mega Standing Ashtray, or the Swag Closet Humidor, dubbed the Divorcinator. All these products were built and designed by Drew Estate Subculture Studios. 
If you're not a member, download the Drew Diplomat app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store today. So, of course, we're talking whiskey. We're talking a late hour. And uh, it's good, man. I'm at, the, I'm at the halfway point. I think I really am smoking this late hour way faster than I should be. But uh, that's kind of what happens when you get a little bit of whiskey together with some uh, cigars. It's uh, pretty easy to start raging on that cigar. Yeah, when, when I'm sitting alone, quiet, by myself, smoking a cigar, I smoke really exceptionally slow. Um, but I've noticed when I'm doing a show or just having a conversation, I tend to just you know smoke when I have the chance yeah. and, and smoke a little faster. So I mentioned I was going to talk a little bit about Yoichi. They're a northern distillery. How north are they? Well, if you're to look at their latitude, they're actually at the same latitude as New York State, Toronto, Canada, or Vladivostok, Russia. Crazy, right? Um, yeah. So they're located in southern Hokkaido, and southern uh, Hokkaido is the uh, northernmost of the four main Japanese islands. What makes them unique, or why they were originally picked by Masataka Takatsuro, is because they are surrounded by three three mountains. Uh, so three sides of the uh, Yoichi is surrounded by mountains, and then the one side is the Sea of Japan. So you get that coastal influence, which makes a lot of sense if you're going to go with a peated whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's a very Scottish style of uh, area. Um, unfortunately, as I mentioned, or kind of alluded to, uh, unfortunately, the demand for aged Japanese whiskey is outstripping their demand. So it is unlikely that you can find an aged Yoichi on the shelf. If you can find an aged Yoichi on the shelf and you are a Japanese whiskey fan, I definitely recommend you pick that up because you probably won't see it again, at least not within the next five to 10 years. Uh, it is unlikely the production is going to catch up unless there's a big crash in the scotch uh slash japanese whiskey market and at this point it doesn't really look like that's going to happen anytime soon uh, i mentioned it's 45 percent abv and it is made with uh what they call heavily peated barley uh what all the peat heads would call sort of medium peated barley um but it is a single malt it is quite tasty it is a 10 year uh so we've got two i've got two 10 years uh two 10 year expressions but both are kind of interesting unique whiskeys and now that i've had a little more time with the glenn rothis I find that in contrast to the others, which are very kind of fruity and candy sweetness, this has more of a uh, kind of malty sweetness, like you would get from a, a beer, like a, an amber ale. How they're, you know, they've got that malty body to them. And that's exactly what I'm getting from this whiskey. And I find that it, it's highlighting the spice from the cigar, which I really like. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of having a similar experience. The um, spice was very much gone with uh, the Glen Farkless because I think the Glen Farkless was just so intense uh, and had that cinnamon nutmeg in it, which was taking away the spice of the cigar. Well, I'm not getting that in my Yoichi either. So I think that spice for me is also returned, which is nice. It's a good compliment. Um, you do get an interesting contrasting flavor with the uh, peat whiskey, that peat, that smokiness against the, the sweetness and the spices. And again, I think it's it's a great pairing because it does uh, tend to accent the whiskey or accent the cigar, I should say. Um, I don't think this is probably the way to go with this cigar. I don't think you want to go with a peated whiskey. But as I mentioned, I kind of wanted to have a little bit of fun, a little bit of experimentation. Experiment. Yeah, because um, who knows when the next time is that I'll have a chance to smoke one of these delicious late hours. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm getting pretty much the same experience for mine. They're very different whiskeys, um, but the kind of lighter, sweeter uh, flavors from the scotch are are definitely highlighting the spicy, l- less so the chocolatey, more the spicy and sweet 
flavors from the cigar. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ooh, nice finish in the throat there with the whiskey. Um, so I'm going to go over my whiskeys of the night here, kind of give a little bit of a recap, maybe do a little bit of sip as we go. So first whiskey of the night was the uh, coffee grain whiskey from Nicka Whiskey. And um, it is a grain whiskey with a malted barley. So it's basically a combination of a single malt and almost a bourbon um, together. Although it can't be called bourbon because, you know, it's not made in the United States. It's basically like like a scotch can't be called a scotch if it's made in Japan, but it still has the same core components. And it's really the the mashup of a bourbon and a single malt to me. It's uh, it's very approachable. It's easy drinking. But in terms of complexity, in terms of pairing, you know, this is really a low 80s pairing, but I think really highlights how a score doesn't tell you the true story because to me, it's kind of an 80-81 pairing. Um, but it is enjoyable. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I would reach for this. I would do this. It's, it's fun. And for me, the inch gower, now that it's had a little time to warm up, um, it's still got that like hard candy, hard candy, buttery kind of flavor that really highlights the cigar. This one would be mid nineties, like 95, maybe. Um, I think I'm going to have all nineties in here tonight. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. So I'm going to move on to this uh, Glen Farkless. It's only a 10-year, but it is cask strength. Such a huge nose. So much toffee and vanilla and candied candied, uh, candied toffee on the nose. Almost um, almost has cotton candy in the nose, really. Such a huge palate. Just cotton, enormous. Cotton candy is the right word for it. Yeah. And it does really take over the palate. Um, you know, a combination of the ABV and the huge sweetness there really does take over your palate significantly. And to me, that's... Um, you know, with the cigar, especially this brings the cocoa out of the cigar, is an easy 93-94 pairing. Um, one of those unique whiskeys that happens to pair really nicely with a cigar that's as elegant and uh, as premium as the uh, the late hour is, I think, for me. Yeah, and I mean, of course, I'm drinking the same whiskey, and I agree. Those those sweet candy, it's, it really is kind of a candy sweetness. It's a very sweet whiskey. And it really brings out all of the chocolatiness that's in this cigar that I think if you weren't drinking this whiskey or something similar, you probably wouldn't get uh, maybe any chocolate out of this. I don't think I tasted chocolate in either of the previous cigars that I've smoked. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm immediately getting the chocolate back, uh, having taken a sip of the Glen Farkless and then taking a few puffs in a retrohale. I immediately get that chocolate. And I, like the chocolate disappeared with the... With the coffee grain whiskey and the chocolate disappeared with the Yoichi, um, it really only comes back with the Glen Farkless. So I think it really highlights how if you have the right whiskey, you can bring out a lot of flavor out of a cigar that you might not otherwise be yeah. able to pick up. And that's, to me, that's kind of one of the fun parts of pairing. I forgot to give that one a number too, which I, w- I would say 93, 94. Delicious. So I'm going to go on to my Yoichi here, um, even though I'm not leaving a lot of time between the Glen Farkless and the Yoichi. Still get that nice peaty... Smoky peat up front, a little bit of brine, but again, very subdued compared to uh, an Islay whiskey or something a little bit smokier if it was Scottish. Um, take a little puff here. Yeah, and the spice immediately comes back. Um, get that sweetness that, that has been prevalent along the entire cigar here. Um, to me, this is probably, you know, uh, mid to high 80s, like an 87, 88. So this is, um, you know, an acceptable pairing. It's a good pairing. I'd reach for this. Um, but again, I don't think peat is the right way to go. Uh, I think you have the right idea with the highfalutin space side whiskeys, especially with a cigar of this caliber. You probably want a little bit more complex and a little bit more nuanced spirit to go with it. 
Yeah, uh, the Glen Rothis, uh, for me, goes really well with the cigar, just not quite as well as the others. I would give this a 90 or 91. Um, it definitely brings out some of the sweetness, some of the spice in the cigar, but the cigar runs over the whiskey just a little bit. Um, and that may be because I didn't drink this one first. Yeah. So I think what we'll do tonight is we'll just roll right into an after dark because um, we've got a little bit of cigar left. We've got some time. Yeah. And uh, this is a cigar I want to keep smoking. So for those who are tuning in live, uh, normally we would break here and go uh, sort of separate our, our Armed Forces Radio Network segment. But we're going to go right into our after dark segment and just kind of, um, you know, shoot the breeze as it were. Um, so... We do have some scheduling conflicts coming up, so uh, we aren't going to be able to do a cigar chat this week, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, next week, uh, next week we're going to uh, not have a show, unfortunately, because uh, we're both going to be on assignment together. Together, so we'll have um, kind of a cool show to follow that up when we come back. Uh, we'll kind of talk about that experience. So that'll be our, our uh, basically two weeks from Thursday. Uh, we'll have a cigar chat. So I apologize to everyone. We're not going to have shows next week, but we are going to have some interesting content when we come back. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So that means uh, basically no, uh, no sharing our pairings next week either. Yeah. And then the, the week after that is when we'll, we'll be back to, to normal and we'll have a, a cigar chat with a guest and everything. And we'll have hopefully uh, sharing our pairings on Wednesday. Although looking at my schedule. Uh Oh yeah. Um, that may not be possible, actually. We may have to talk and see if uh, someone can uh, stand in for me that week because I'm looking at my schedule and I realize that uh, I've actually got a store opening in two weeks. Ah, I'm sure we can find somebody to, to fill in. I'll, I'm, I'll go I'm on sure we know. Yeah, I know a couple guys. And Jason Raybuck wants to know if this cigar is worth 20 bucks. Um, if, if you're in the market to spend 20 bucks on a cigar, you would not be disappointed smoking this one. Yeah, that's a that's a I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, you know, when when you start getting into that twenty dollar mark, uh, the cigar that I always compare something like this to would be uh, Davidoff or um, Davidoff, uh, Padron nineteen twenty six. To me, yeah. that's kind of the hallmark for that sort of high teen twenty dollar type smoke, uh, and I, that may be an unfair comparison because in my mind, um, for the money, I don't know you can really compete with the Bajor 1926. I feel like that's, I'm going to lose my uh, Canadian flag here as the uh, storm front blows in here. We've been very lucky here in Calgary to not have the thunderstorms that we normally would, but it's just passing by, just getting a little bit of the, a uh, little bit of the wind. Um, but the Bajor 1926 for me is kind of the, the class leader at that price point. So it's kind of uh, an unfair comparison because you're, you're really comparing cigars at that price point to probably arguably one of the best cigars at that price point. So, with that said, would I would I drop twenty bucks uh, American on on one of these? Yeah, I probably would. Um, it'll be interesting, to, like I said, try the robusto size and see how that uh, fares. Uh, the Toro so far would be the Vitola I would reach for, though. Yeah, me too. I, I've smoked all three now, and I would say the Toro is the best one. Yeah, it's very it's a very um it's a very full flavored, rich experience. It's probably medium plus strength. Um, it's got enough spice and baking char- baking spice characteristics in there to uh, keep the uh, more full-bodied smokers entertained, I think. Yeah. Um, without um, without boring them, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, if you're if you're used to smoking like the the Davidoff, I don't I don't know what their the series are. Let's say um, this might not be your speed because it's it's a lot stronger than most of the Davidoff. 
uh, most of the classic Davidoffs with the light white labels are. Um, but if you're into more full bodied stuff, I, I mean, I think this is a great cigar for the price. Yeah. And I would say the, um, Churchill's probably similar to the, uh, Davidoff Nicaragua. Um, this is probably a step up from the Davidoff Nicaragua in terms mm-hmm. of flavor intensity. Um, especially like I said, with that spicy component, um, you know, yeah, try it for yourself. That's really the, uh, you know, what we say isn't necessarily going to drive you to spend 20 bucks, but if you're in a shop and you want to try it out, there's lots of good Davidoff shops out there. Yeah. And this is, I, I think this is one of my favorite Davidoffs now. One of the, one of my, the best Davidoffs I've had. Got to flow you some of those Yamases. So good. I've only, I've only had, I think one or two of those. It was when I was when I was in Vegas on vacation, and uh, I just picked one up from the Davidoff shop for eighteen bucks or whatever they wanted for it. So, uh, how are we doing? Any any other uh, closing questions, comments, or feedback from uh, from our live audience on Facebook? There, I don't believe so. Facebook is being kind of uh, kind of Facebooky, so I need to refresh the page and see if we've got anything new. Nope, no other audience questions. Fair enough. Well, maybe what we'll do is uh, wrap up this episode of Sharing Our Pairings and just continue to smoke these delicious Davidoffs. I want to thank everyone who's tuned in live. Uh, we we kind of snuck it in on you on Facebook. Uh, thanks to all our podcast listeners who will be listening to this on Thursday morning when we normally post our podcast. I uh, appreciate you tuning in and subscribing. And thanks to all our YouTube listeners out there. As we mentioned, uh, future episodes, we're going to go to a YouTube stream only. But do Facebook not fear. stream only. Facebook live stream only, but we are going to broadcast the uh, show after. So uh, kind of like if you're PVRing your episodes of whatever, Game of Thrones or whatever, um, you can watch it after we live uh, live air. Uh, but I want to thank everyone who has tuned in. As we say on Share Your Parents, we do want you to drink better. We do want you to drink less.